Hey guys, Silly Talk Sports here and welcome back to another episode of Sit Downs with Surly. Today's guest has an incredibly unique story, going from former Northcote footy player and New Zealand surf lifesaving champ to being a part of the sporting event which took over the nation, representing Team New Zealand and successfully defending the America's Cup, You Beauty. He's a proud product of Myringi Bay and one of the hardest trainers and most dedicated sportsmen I know. But more importantly, he's a bloody good friend, a proud family man, and apart from switching footy clubs, I can't really fault the bloke. Right, enough from me. Let's get her up on the foils. How good. 21 years after their first successful defence on home waters, Emirates Team New Zealand do it again in a new class of boat that proves... Kiwis can fly! Sailing's most treasured prize! The America's Cup stays in New Zealand! St. Patrick's Day 2021, March 17, Emirates Team New Zealand win the 36th edition of the America's Cup. It's one of the moments of the past week. Grinder Mike Lee after that killer race on Monday, which became a foiling nightmare, absolutely spent. I've got, got a little two-year-old son that's wondering where Daddy is. Daddy has just written himself into Team New Zealand folklore. 2021 in Auckland, the America's Cup remains New Zealand's Cup. Hey, Mike. Thanks for jumping on. Sit-downs with Surly, mate. Who would have thought when we were living together all those years ago, one of us would be an America's Cup winner? Fair to say those 6am fitness sessions pedalling out to ranging after a bender really paid off for you, mate. Yeah, mate, there's, uh, there's, there's nothing like a, a blowout on the old Waitakere daiquiris to, to get the carbs up and, and the, uh, the juices flying. Shit, yeah, yeah you mate, did so. your best work. Uh, let's go back to the start, mate, because it's a pretty cool story. You've always loved the ocean, always been pretty handy on it too, New Zealand surf lifesaving champ. But as far as I know, you've never really been a sailor. So how did the opportunity to join Team New Zealand come about? Yeah, mate, I was probably as uh, as much of a sailor as Josh Cook as a, uh, a bike rider. <laughs> oh, very rocky. <laughs> or, or, or action sports enthusiast, as, oh. as we might call them. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, uh, got uh, got the word from the old celebrant at, at our wedding that... Uh, that he he heard that they were looking for some grinders and as you do um flicked the the coo of the of team new zealand an email and and got got a foot in the door that way but like someone like yourself flicking old steve chua message saying you wanted to be an all black probably but uh yeah i've, I've yeah. done a few of those i didn't quite yeah, get the same yeah. result though unfortunately <laughs> yeah Shit, yeah kidding. so yeah. that's unreal so your wedding celebrant actually teed it all up just by chance yeah, mate. Yeah, he um, he just thought that that I'd be sort of fit for the job. Um, so I yeah, I flicked him the email, and uh, old old BT Blair Chute came back to us, and um, I was supposed to go in for a trial like a week later, and then slip the disc in my back. Ooh. So that was that was uh, about eight weeks out, four weeks of that sleeping on the on the floor at home, but um. Yeah, and then we went into bloody lockdown. So, um, while most people were bloody cooking up some mean feeds and, and binge watching Netflix, I was doing about three sessions a day in, in the old sleep out at my old fuddy. fuddy. Um, 
getting fit as and ready for the trial. Yeah, that's crazy. So like you mentioned, your the training in the lead up to trials, what was that like? Well, I can imagine it was pretty different to what you're used to. What did they have you yeah, doing? It was, it was it was pretty hectic. So before before that first trial, like that was to sort of make the short list. And and like I said, I just spent four weeks getting fit during lockdown. Um I pinched a grinder from my gym and set that up at home. So that was pretty mint. And then I'd do the old F45 home workouts with feeds during the day. Nice. And uh, chuck old Billy in the in the pram for a run in the afternoon. So got pretty quick, pretty, pretty, oh, pretty fit pretty quickly. And then um, yeah, once I went through that first trial, they then chucked us on on their program for four weeks. And there was five of us that were shortlisted for that. Nice. And then we all trialed off in front of the whole team about a month, month later. So Shit, that yeah. would have been pretty nerve-wracking, was it? Yeah, it was pretty hectic. Like an old old dolt fucking walks into the gym strutting and stuff. And uh and he he sort of giving you a bit of a rev up. But um yeah, it was, it was sort of a good way of getting the best out of yourself as well, I suppose, putting yourself in that sort of environment. Yeah, for sure. And you eventually got the call that you'd made Team New Zealand. That must have been pretty unreal, mate. Yeah, it was pretty sick, mate. We uh we were just moving house and I had the old Massey Ferguson on the on the back of the Ute, um, cruising up the road to to where we were moving to. And uh yeah, Chuki Chuki gave us a message saying come to Ponsonby, come hit Mekong. And I thought, oh Mekong, it's a it's a good bloody little establishment for a for a Sunday afternoon. Yeah. And uh yeah, got down there and, and yeah, him and him and Pete were waiting for me and gave us the good news and we ripped into a few steinies and yeah, Bob's your bloody uncle. That's Unreal. Great. That that's cool it was those two as well. Unreal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's 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 quite cool. It's um in terms of the the sailing side of it, it's quite athlete driven. Um we have trainers and coaches and stuff, but um Blair really takes ownership of of the team um so any any of your like tough conversations that you you'd usually have to have with a, your boss or whatever you're having with like one of the boys so yeah it's pretty cool yeah that is cool and then training started with the team and, and prep for the first racing and that prada challenges series how was your first day on the job with the full team and, and what does prep look like in terms of a normal day in the office for you guys yeah, so um, my first day, first day at work was actually my thirtieth birthday. Um, so we, sure we sailed you. on my first day. I turned up late, so my alarm went off late. Um, so I turned up late for my first day on the job. It was my birthday, um, first time sailing, um, first time on that boat, obviously, and that was it was bloody insane. But um, I I found out the hard way the importance of a of a birthday workshop around there. So you got a couple, well, there's like a hundred old people in the office cool. and uh, a birthday shout's a pretty big deal. So you got to go spend about 300 bucks on cake just to feed everyone. Oh, but yeah, I sort of got ripped on for my first three or four days because we we're sailing for those first three or four days. And it turns out it's no excuse to be out on the water. You, you still bring cake to work. So. Oh, rough. Yeah. But no, it was bloody good. It was um, it was long hours on the water, but um, you know, a sixty or seventy hour week at work is pretty easy when you when you're heading down to the viaduct and and hanging out with those guys. It's a it's a pretty sweet job. Yeah, for sure. And you mentioned those boats, bro. They're pretty crazy, especially for 
someone who's who's the casual sailing fan watching them go like 30 plus knots spoiling the first time on those things must have been pretty unreal yeah it was uh it was pretty funny like i i didn't really get a chance to enjoy it for a while um particularly when like you're first getting on you don't even really know how to do your own job you just you're just grinding your tits off and um but yeah yeah you begin to enjoy it more and more and, and appreciate it um it's at the end of the day you're you're a mule you're, you're not really a thoroughbred as as some may may think you're, you're there to provide power day in day out so it's um it's not the not the glamour role that that people crack it out to be but um heck a lot of fun and i mean you know if anyone's done 35 knots on a boat before they'll realize how quick it is and and then we can you know we can do around 50 so that's crazy yeah. and you and you mentioned a little bit about it there but in terms of the actual role of a grinder what was your kind of role on the boat because it's pretty bloody important so can you talk us through yeah, that so we have these little samsung galaxy s10s and your job is to keep an eye on what talent's available for for the likes of pete and uh and louis he'd, he'd like to go out on the town yeah uh, when we get literally, home and, literally yeah, on grinder yeah. yeah no um but we're we're basically we're providing um hydraulic pressure to to power all the sailing functions um so Pete and, and Lenny and stuff, they got they got a bunch of buttons that they can press to, you know, trim sails and and every time they press a button then we basically get a notification to to send some power. So um that's more or less what our what our job consists of. And they uh they play those buttons like uh like Sam Perry button bashes a bloody <laughs> PlayStation two on Tekken. <laughs> yeah, so you're constantly working then. Yeah, Bloody mate, hell. it's all go. Unreal. And obviously, Luna Rossa won the rights to face you guys, and they did so pretty convincingly, 7-1 against the old Brits. So was there any team in particular you guys wanted to race, or were you guys confident you could beat anyone and it didn't really worry you? Yeah, we were We were pretty confident. Um, like, we'd sort of, we, we had good faith in our package and, and our sailors. Um, I think it would have been nice to see um, Ineos or Magic in the final. They're, they're sort of teams that I personally um, liked better. Just no no real reason in particular. But um, at the same time, I think Luna Rossa had um, had a pretty slick boat and a pretty slick outfit as well. Um, and I guess at the end of the day, it, it, you want to put yourself up against the best in those sorts of situations. And it probably made made the win feel a little bit a little bit sweeter um when, when you look at the caliber of guys on that boat like jimmy and stuff in particular so yeah it was um it was definitely cool doing it with them and you know while while there's there's a lot of animosity and all the, all the rest of it through the cup they still turned up to the sheds afterwards and had a few boat races and they're just lads like the rest of us so yeah because yeah. i was gonna say do you get to spend much time with with the other guys or is it all pretty hush hush and yeah, it's all pretty hush and 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 sometimes a little bit hostile. I mean, it's no no secret that um, a lot of time spent in courts uh, yeah. between the teams and in America's Cup. So, um, yeah, that I mean, yeah, you don't want to you don't want to give away too many secrets and and you know in your comp- competitive spirit, you sort of it's a bit of a us against them sort of sure. situation. It's, it's not like you go to battle every week and. Have beer in the changing rooms afterwards. It's um, 
it's a big wait for for a pretty important couple of weeks. So yeah. No, nice. And fast forward to racing, the prep's done and she's the real deal. Race two versus Prada, your first race on board in the actual <laughs> America's Cup. How were the nerves pre-race, mate? But- oh, it was there wasn't a lot of nerves, like um compared to other sports where we like or individual sports where there's a lot, a lot of like external factors that are out of your control, but um not you know obviously in a in a boat race where someone else is driving there are too but in terms of my role um i just got to get on and, and provide as much power as i can sort of every every day um so i wasn't really nervous and in, in my i suppose ability or, or my ability to do my my role um coming out with with the l on the on the first day was it was a bit of a shitter. The boys had got out there and, and got the job done um, in race one, and, and we couldn't we couldn't do the same in race two. And um, you know, it's really it's really got not a lot to do with with what grinding teams on the boat. Um, but there's there's plenty of banter that goes on amongst the grinders as well on who's got the best records and, and all the rest of it. So I can imagine cop a little bit of heat, but um, yeah, day two we got to we got to dish it back. So Perfect. yeah. Because I did notice you guys alternate, obviously, the, the grinding teams. Is there any, in terms of, like, rank or any order to that? Or is it just mix, luck of the draw, kind of that's your team and you stick with it? Or for certain races, do you mix it up? Yeah, so there's there's some guys that um, that have pretty specific roles on the boat. And and so they're effectively there every, every race. Yeah. Um, there's effectively four of us that are, you know, they're purely for power. And and so we typically all, all alternate with each other. Um, as as the training went on, our sort of our numbers and our testing were getting closer and closer. And then by the time we reached our final testing, everyone was producing within thirty or forty watts of each other in terms of power. So yeah, sure. when it gets to that point, it means it makes it pretty easy for them to interchange guys and know they they're not going to have a um, reduction in in power. Um, I think being in the second race of the day, you've obviously got four guys on the boat that have already done one race, uh, four grinders. So you've got to make sure when you come on, you're you're really giving your best because because they got to do that day in and day out as well. So um, it wasn't really, you know, we we were all aware of where everyone's strengths and weaknesses were, but there wasn't really a, an A team or B team as such. It was it was just, um, you know, swapping out with your the guy you appeared with and, and doing the best job you could for the team. Yeah, nice. There's one race in particular that stands out to me, race six. I think many New Zealanders will never forget this one. Off to a flying start and then we fall off the foils and it looks like she's bloody race over. And then yeah. try to do the same and we get a massive win. And then that night on the news, there was a pretty big image of you bent over, absolutely knackered, head down, sucking in the big ones. Talk us through that race, bro, because you're a pretty flip fit bloke and you grinders got a lot of credit for that win must have been bloody hard yakka yeah it wasn't much fun um we'd we'd actually made a bit of a call like by by that fourth day we'd sort of um figured out that you know the the first or the pre-start and that first up one leg were were crucial to um the outcome of the race so we basically said as grinders like we're just gonna grind our asses off for that first eight minutes and, and make sure Pete has unlimited resource to to do whatever he wants and put the boat in the right places. So we did that sure enough and and got the boat in a good place and 
we're looking pretty good and probably just getting ready to have a, a little bit of a break downwind and, and recover and sure enough we fall off the foils um and i think the the hard part from there was you know we were we were sailing with a, a jib that was significantly undersized like a couple of sizes too small and uh so all of a sudden every tack and every jive your you tack might your life depended on it so that that really ruined us physically as grinders um pete and blair did a, a pretty exceptional job of getting the boat around the track um and and yeah obviously Lerner rossa didn't have much luck they got themselves in a hole and couldn't get themselves out of it so um yeah we just gave it everything we could all the way till the end and, and got the job done which is um you know at the time when i didn't really appreciate it but uh once uh once i regain my breath and can feel my my arms and hands again um you saw how much it meant to all those fans and stuff that were out there and that's when it really sunk in sort of what we'd what we'd done and it was pretty bloody cool yeah because it felt like a real momentum shift for you guys there too it kind of seemed like you were pretty much destined to win it from there. Did it feel like that for you guys as well? It looked like they were pretty broken after that one. Yeah, I think that was that was the significant thing was that um, we saw how badly it affected them. Um, I think we we didn't really change our ad- attitude from from start to finish. Um, we were we were always confident and we always knew that we'd have to go out and, and sail pretty well to get the job done. Um, but you saw after that day that their heads dropped a bit and they all of a sudden were, you know, were realistic that, you know, we could go do that again the next day, win two races and it could all be over for them. So that was that was a big momentum shift. And um obviously once we once we did get that jump, we got we became pretty hungry to to seal a deal. And um the race after that is is where Pete um Pete Blair and Glenn really showed their, their tactical prowess, I suppose, and that was uh, that was probably the the race or the best race in America's Cup history that following day. Final race rolls around and you guys are heading out, uh, and the place was absolutely buzzing and in, in anticipation. There was definitely a feeling that you guys were going to win the cup that day. How did it feel heading out onto the water? Just everyone going mental, boats surrounding you. She was all go. Yeah, the I mean, Auckland was just heaving. It was it was unreal. Eh? Like um, the the amount of boats was just insane, and um, just tens and tens of thousands of people lining the viaduct, and um, it gives you a pretty good lift every day. And and while while I'm sure the the Italians got a bit of a buzz out of it too, it would have also felt like they were in a, well and true well and truly in enemy waters anyway. Um, but yeah, just I mean, estimated quarter of a million people out on the water, um, and then I mean, you saw what the viaduct was like that night. It was um, it was a hell of a state. It was bloody awesome, and um, yeah, something something you'll never forget being on being on the other side of the fence. You know, when you when you've been a passionate Kiwi sports supporter, um, and you know you've been amongst it and and rugby world cup finals and. And uh, and cricket World Cups and all the rest of it, and to get on the other side of the, the fence is just it was insane. But it, it didn't really feel feel real. But yeah, bloody cool. That was great. Even I dusted off the sea legs to get out there, mate. She was a huge <laughs> occasion. <laughs> and uh, after that race, there's a bit of an iconic image of you now vortexing a magnum bottle of 
Oh, bloody champagne, mate. I noticed you were always up the front in the team celebrations. Was that your role, was it? The old, <laughs> the young bull, the team fizz up boy up the front. Yeah, I, I probably, uh, I probably bought um, as much fizz as anyone to the, uh, to the celebrations anyway. Um, and yeah, like it's, it's funny, like when, when you're in the moment, you're not think you don't think about the cameras or, or anything else. Like doing the vortex, I was just like, like you would with the boys, you're like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and then all of a sudden you're like, you're on TikTok and all sorts of shit and um, stuff, stuff that I wouldn't have even considered. But um, yeah, look at, I mean, I was, I was going to make the most of it and, um, and celebrate it the best I could. And, and I just so happened to be front and center most of the time, which got myself on, on, uh, World world renowned rags such as the Southland Times and and all oh, sorts of shit. So huge, yeah, huge. Yeah, pretty good. Life after huge, sailing huge is result. sorted. Life after oh, sailing is sorted. All the gone knew who I was. <laughs> and uh, no doubt the boys got stuck in in the next few days. So how was the celebrations post the big win, mate? Yeah, I mean that um, that night off was probably probably one of the biggest nights of my life, and. Um, you know, there was uh, I think one of the one of the biggest nights of a few of my mates' lives as well, judging yeah. by the hangovers the next day. Um, but yeah, Jesus, like we we sent it. It was a full bloody send. It, it took me two hours to get back to the base from the uh, from the stage. As you as you know, there's a few detours, a, a bit of yeah. a swim on, through the viaduct and um, and other bits and pieces. But yeah, that. that that medal was the key to the city for the night. That that's for sure. But, yeah, uh, that, that thing was came, ginormous. Came off a little worse for wear. I didn't realise the medal was solid silver, and now it's all scratched up with teeth marks and <laughs> and from opening bottles and all the rest of it. But yeah. yeah, I think I even had it in my mouth at one stage. There, real honour. <laughs> Cheers for that. And uh, now you've defended the cup and the cut, the dust has settled. There seems to be a bit of uncertainty as to what happens next, but uh, what can you tell us in terms of what's next for Team New Zealand? Is there, do you guys get any updates or have you kind of gone your separate ways and you just wait and see what happens? Or Yeah, two two days after it was all over, it was um, thanks for coming and see you later. Um, Crazy. Not, yeah, kind of kind of what like we were told would happen, but not what you expected either. Um, yeah. But yeah, so um, basically they've they've got a lot of work that goes into to coming up with the formula for the next cup, I suppose, and um, negotiations around destinations and timing and all the rest of it. Um, I'll probably find out what's happening half an hour before before the general public does or whatever. And um, yeah, I think look, like I'll I'll certainly be keen to put my uh, put my name forward for for another crack at it. Um, you know, I'm only 30. There's there's old dogs like like Ferg rolling around at 40. So I've, nice. I've got a little bit of kick left in uh, in these arms. I'd like to think. Um, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll be I'll be hungry to go again. That's for sure. Plenty of plenty of years left on grinder in you. Bloody good to hear. Also, uh, oh, not yeah. not sure if you remember, but uh, after a few champagnes, you did promise Phil and Johnny that Machina would be the official chase boat of the 2024 campaign. So just. Looking forward to seeing you tee that one up as well, mate. That's huge from you. I hope, I hope you'll be the uh, the chase boat driver, mate. That'll be, oh. uh, be good fun. Yeah, I'll, I'll be pretty sick, to be fair. Me and Josh Cook, we'll stay on land, mate. We'll be rattling those cages when you come back into base. That's that's more <laughs> our role. Fair enough. 
few more casual questions just to finish up for you. Uh, firstly, you've had a few nicknames in your time, my Golo and and Machine mainly. One I didn't know you'd you had though, and it emerged in a one news interview. The old Myringi Bay demigod. Did you give yourself that one, mate? Because I hadn't heard that one before. I wish I could kick that one to touch, but uh, that was actually that was courtesy of old Anna Wilcox from Crowd Goes Wild, probably three or four years ago on a on an interview I did back in my surf days. And um, just when I thought I'd got rid of it, sure enough that that popped up and around we go again. But um, no, <laughs> I won't be giving it too much time, that's for sure. She's a bloody beauty. Uh, and uh, the next one is, it's more a statement, but it's also a question. Is leaving the coat the worst decision you've ever made in your sporting career? <laughs> I don't know, mate. I saw the uh, I saw the club rugby results from the weekend, and oh. uh, I, I guess I could throw back that back on you. And with John Searle having a wedding on a yeah. in footy season, be one of the worst decisions of a Searle's career. Yeah, it I mean, wasn't it wasn't the news he wanted pre ceremony. I told him it was all his fault, and there was a few no, tears in his eyes. Like, yeah, you ditch the boys to to get off head off to the wedding as well. I mean, that's no good. Yeah, I still yeah, turned up in my full man. kit to the wedding, though. It was a pretty historic occasion, so it's great to see. <laughs> uh, if, if you're on death row, mate, what would your final meal be? Surely some Maccas, the proud sponsors of the team. <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, it would probably have to be, wouldn't it? I mean, probably for more symbolic reasons than anything else. Hmm. Proud sponsors. They fed me for the first eight years of my uh, club rugby career. Definitely. En route from uh, from surf training to footy. So it'd probably have to be a uh, a Mac attack com- combo with a, uh, a cheeky Skipper's or the chicken or Skipper's McChicken burger or something. I think that's the team you get on special. Sure. There you go. Yeah. Three people that's dead or alive you'd most like to have a steam up with Kobe. LeBron's Shit. better, but I'll give it to you. Yep. <laughs> Kobe, uh, it'd be some fun. Don't know. I can't think who else I'd chuck in that mix. It'd be a hell of a session with Kobe alone. Yeah, just just you and Kobe. That's that's yeah, great just, bonding. It's great. Maybe bonding. maybe chuck Snoop in the mix. Oh shit! I can see the vibe you're going for here. Yeah, yeah, this yeah, is dangerous. Yeah, here we go. Yeah. Bit a West Coast, yeah. West Coast flavor. And um, I guess I'd probably bring Biggie back from the dead as well. Nice. Shit, she's a real gangster affair. I like this. She's a gangster paradise, baby. Cut, bench, darts. You can start one, cut one, bench one. Three coat wingers in their absolute prime. You've got Josh Cook, Andrew Suku, and Mike Lee on three scoops of craze. Who are you, who are you cutting, benching, and starting? Um, I'd, probably, I'd probably cut Josh Cook. Yeah, because he's yeah. good for nothing anyway. I'd start Andrew Suku because oh. he uh, he didn't get too many starts. <laughs> I bench myself because because that's all I got. Uh, and Bob, with the bloody pine. So Bob Telfer agrees, mate. That's great to hear. <laughs> and uh, it's day three of a bender. Nine a.m. in the morning. You've started to hit a wall. You get one phone a friend to ring up, join the mixer, and get you through. Who are you ringing? Ooh, at 9am, 
it would probably take someone that would still be still be going, yeah. and I'd, I'd have to say that's most likely to be Karen Menzies. Yeah, definitely. That's a great answer. Yeah, you drag him out of whatever hellhole he's hiding in, and and just get on his level. I'd say he's always about. He'd probably bring Richie and James as well, which is huge. Yeah, so yeah. Bring all the boys for sure. Bring the flatties. Yeah. Right, that's all I've got for you, mate. Cheers for jumping on, and can't wait to see who the Myringi Bay demigod matches week next on Grinder and your next step in your career, mate. So go well. Yeah, likewise, mate. Good luck to the coat this weekend too. Yeah, cheers. <laughs> Fucking a bounce back. Appreciate it, mate. You're always welcome, by the way. Strap that knee up. Back you come. Yeah, bloody oath. Cheers, mate. Cheers, mate. <laughs>